0: This is Preble Hall.
1: Welcome to Preble Hall, a podcast about naval history from the United States Naval Academy Museum in Annapolis.
0: In 2017, the Naval Academy celebrated 50 years of service by our historian, James Cheevers, and the city of Annapolis recognized him with James Cheever's Day Very much well-earned, and we're happy that Jim is with us back in Preble Hall, back in your Preble Hall, Jim. (laughs) Yeah. You've spent spent 50 years, probably more so than anybody else since the building was first constructed in 1939. You'd probably be pretty hard-pressed to find somebody who worked here as long.
1: Right. My predecessor was here 30 years. Uh, Who was that? Brown, uh, Lester Brown. Brown. They called him Doc because he was uh, a Navy Corpsman, uh, Medical Corps. And he came in 37, actually, before the building. He he started off in the basement of Maury
0: Hall, the old museum. Oh, that's where Captain Harry Baldridge must have been. Right, and, so, and
1: then uh, moved the museum over here in
0: 39. So our topic today is the uh, Naval Academy graduations. This is a little bit different this year. We have several graduations. Jim, when, we have five graduations. That's, that's a new record. What was the previous record for the Three. most? When was that?
1: Uh, 19, uh, six and seven, the class of 1907 graduated three times.
0: Why did they graduate three times?
1: Well, uh, Congress in 1903, because of the new battleship Navy, and they were building these huge new warships that required a lot more officers. And so they voted an increase in the size of the brigade of midshipmen at the Naval Academy, but it takes four years. Uh, for that to take effect. <laughs> and so they started graduating classes early. Actually, in 1902, they graduated the class early and up through 1906. And then the top third of 1907 graduated in uh, November of 06, and then the middle third in February of '07, and then finally the bottom third in June of 1907. And so thereafter, of course, we went back to a four-year June graduation until World War I, just a couple of years later. Have,
0: have graduations ever been canceled? No, not
1: uh, no. There was one late graduation, uh, 16, 1865B, didn't graduate in June up in Newport. They went on their summer cruise and then graduated here on, in Annapolis when the midshipmen the, uh, uh, came back here after the Civil War. In September of 1865.
0: Why did they divide that class? Was one not at sea, and the other one was? Is, is that uh, what yeah? The upper class A&B? had
1: graduated almost a little over three years. They and, and they. I think they also graduated like November 64. Um, and and then of course the classes of 1921 and 1948 were also split and graduated in one in the three-year program and the other in the four-year
0: program. But we were not at war in either of those cases. Why were those classes split? With
1: 21 and... and
0: tw- 21 and 48?
1: Uh, because of World War One and World War II. Oh, because II. they
0: came... The way they came in... Yes, and, the way uh, they came programs. in during the war
1: or... <laughs> actually, 21... Uh, the bottom 21 was really ticked off <laughs> that they had to do four... <laughs> An extra year. <laughs> and 48 was not happy either.
0: Uh, so it's not unusual for classes to have graduated in three years, usually during war years.
1: Oh, right. Yes. During dur- during b- both, well, actually, the, probably the shortest class was, 45, was the class 46. of 1863 because the Civil War broke out in April of 61. The, of course, the uh, Union troops came here and the academy was evacuated to Newport to Rhode Island 60 the top half of 61 was sent into Washington immediately for orders the bottom half went to Newport aboard the Constitution with the class of 62 and 63 they got up there 61 is was immediately told the bottom half go back to Washington <laughs> for your orders and then within a couple of weeks 62 and 63 1862 and 1863 were sent to Washington for orders, leaving only the plebes <laughs> for for another couple of weeks. And then June of 1861, the largest plebe class in the history at, up to that point, like 119 uh, plebes came aboard.
0: Did they, and they graduated early for the Mexican-American War as well?
1: Yes. Uh, actually, it's interesting because leading up to both. Spanish American War World War One, and World War Two, the Navy knew something was coming <laughs> uh, and so they graduated early I, I think in 1898 it wasn't much earlier than the, the war uh, started um, it was early April and what the war started in late April something like that but that was famous because there was no color parade and I can remember a big story in the Capitol News evening Capitol years ago Uh, about the color girl who never was she had been selected but because of the war and graduating early the color parade was not held
0: (laughs) for Jim for our listeners who aren't familiar with the color parade or may not have been to the academy to visit or for one of their relatives can you briefly explain what the the color parade is and what it's meant in Naval Academy history
1: yeah the color parade actually started was started by uh... Vice Admiral David Dixon Porter, when he was superintendent right after the Civil War. In 1867, he decided to have a competition among the four companies. There were only four companies of midshipmen, and they were letter companies, A, B, C, and D, for the honor of carrying flags in the parade. But they also had a special flag for the color company. And they were graded on infantry drill and artillery drill the day before you know, during graduation week, he he had established a whole week of activities leading up to graduation, which became known as June week because it fell in the month of June. Uh, And one of those was the drill competition. And they got a special flag. We have the flagpole still in the museum collection with the silver bands on it, with the, the company letter and the name of the company commander. Then in 1871, Admiral John Warden, who was Porter's successor, added a new custom. And he said to the winning company commander, why don't you pick an individual to present the flag to the color company? And the kid was really politic, and he said, Admiral, how about your daughter Grace? (laughs) Do you mind if uh, she does the honor?
0: Wasn't there something special about his daughter Grace? Well,
1: she was... You know, she was an invalid, but I don't know, I've never been able to find out why, how she was an invalid. I remember in 1971, when we did the 100th anniversary of that tradition, I did a lot of research on it and wrote all over the countryside trying to find a picture of Grace Warden. And I finally found her grave in Pauling, New York. She's in the same cemetery with her father and mother. And I wrote to the nearest historical society, Quaker Hill Historical Society, and they said, oh, yes, we have a picture of her, but she's in a group of people. She's in a Quaker meeting. <laughs> and she had a Quaker bonnet on, you know, the, this lady's bonnet that the front comes out over your face. <laughs> uh, but we, we blew it up <laughs> and used it in our exhibit. Uh, Grace Warren, she was actually a color honoree or color girl twice. Uh, well, this tradition has continued. It's one of the oldest Traditions here at the Naval Academy. Uh, today it's called the Brigade Color Competition. All of the color honorees from 1871 until 2008 were all women except for one gentleman. In 1875, the company commander selected an Army general of all people, General Edwin Ord, who Fort Ord, California was later named. He was a member of the Board of Visitors. And I think that's what Warden th- Intended originally, he thought you should select a member of the board of visitors. <laughs> but most of them later in life, a lot of the a, a number of the original ones were soups' daughters, uh, and we've had some in the 20th century that have been superintendent's daughters too. Admiral Larson's daughter, Admiral Waller's daughter, were, were color honorees. Then of course, oh, uh, well, there's some other traditions. 1924 was the first time that the uh, color company commander gave a kiss to the color girl. <laughs> a number of them in the early 20th century married their color honoree. They, they selected their girlfriends. And of course, they had to come from home with fancy dresses to wear to this parade to, to uh, participate in the parade. Then finally, in 1966, we have this um, woman who was the social director to the brigade of midshipmen, Mrs. Emmy Marshall. And Emmy made a deal with a big department store in Washington to donate a big white dress, like a bridal gown, (laughs) to the color girl at the Naval Academy. And they had a big bouquet of blue and yellow flowers, of course, and they wore hats. And then finally, that department store went out and she arranged with a bridal shop here in Annapolis that still, I think, uh, provides a dress for the color honoree. Uh, However, in more recent years, we, we've, we've had two gentlemen. In fact, the, the, the first one was actually an alum, class of 71. He was the father of the color honoree. Now, women, of course, came to the brigade in 1976. And in, it wasn't until 1994, though, that we changed the name of the
0: color girl to color honoree. That was a superintendent who changed that, right?
1: Yes, Tom Lynch, Admiral Lynch. And why, uh, why did he change it? Well, I think, there, there, w- there, w- I think there was uh, a group that thought, thought maybe the tradition should go away. Then too, too much emphasis on, on these women that aren't members of the. And then we had a, a man who selected his sister who was a midshipman, and I thought she was going to wear her uniform. I got I was all excited about that, and she she opted not to. She wore a dress. <laughs> I think we've had one since that did wear her uniform. Uh, a woman who was... Uh, but in the last almost 10 years at least, all the Coloranorees have been mothers. Whether they're women company commanders or gentlemen company commanders, they've all been mothers.
0: So then this is the first year, 2020, 175th anniversary of the Academy, where there is n- no... Oh, say, or sorry, at least since war, uh, Porter's time, that there has been no...
1: Well, no, actually there was... Um, I, I, there, there was none in the eighteen ninety eight. There was one selected, but she never got to mm-hmm. do it. And I believe nineteen seventeen did not have a color girl, because of the early graduation, and and evidently they didn't know it long enough in advance. But or ahead. Uh, but I think I think in forty one, I think they did have a color honoree.
0: You'd mentioned the the late graduation and a number of classes that had graduations. Was there any impact from? the Spanish flu of 1918 to the graduation of either 1918 or 1919 because really the height of the flu was the fall of 1918.
1: Yeah, the, 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 the only effect it had that there were a couple of guys that didn't graduate in 1919 because they died. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I think there were, what, nine or ten midshipmen who died as a yeah, result. Yeah, 10,
1: ten midshipmen died and 18 staff members,
0: uh, faculty and staff,
1: yeah but that really didn't affect it didn't they didn't even stop classes and i can i can remember this march when i realized that the midshipmen were on you know spring break and they were going to bring them back here i got scared because that's what happened in 1918 the midshipmen were on summer cruises and they all came back here in september and of course they brought the bug with them
0: and a lot of the ships, we have some of those logs and the, some of the reports from those ships, and the number of people who were infected on those ships were, were pretty high. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, Jim,
0: I want to get back to the number of years that it takes to graduate. It didn't always take even three years. Early on, when the academy was first established, did they have any kind of graduation ceremony, or did that come later?
1: No. First graduation ceremony is 1854. And that's because we didn't go to a four-year program until 1850. The first midshipmen that came here on October 10th and the weeks after that, because they didn't all come at once in uh, at, at that year, were called Olsters. I mean, some of them had been in as midshipmen since 1840. And so they, they did the old process where uh, when they were thought qualified, they would go before a board of examiners. And if they passed the examination, then they became past midshipmen. So that's what happened between 1846
0: and 1853. Would they get their commissions at the same time as when they graduated once they started having the ceremonies? Or was that later? No,
1: no, no. They had to serve in the fleet for two years. It wasn't until 1912 that they gave them commission at the same time.
0: Is that technically the first graduation ceremony as we would recognize it today? Was 1912 because they had that was the first time they had the hat toss,
1: right? Yeah, and of course that was indoors uh, in Dahlgren Hall, the new armory. Th- it, that was still June week. There was still you know a lot of the traditional. Uh, there was a color parade. There was no Herndon climb. When does uh, Herndon
0: climb start? Well, Herndon because it, it's 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 one of those traditions that doesn't come out of nowhere. It it no it, it, no. it, it evolved and. I,
1: When I came here, nobody knew, (laughs) and I went through every yearbook and copied out every picture of the midshipmen around the Herndon Monument. That lower third of the class of 1907 that had their graduation in Dogren Hall in June of 1907 jumped up at the end of graduation and ran to Lover's Lane around the Herndon Monument to prove that they could now walk on this sidewalk.
0: What was Lover's Lane? What was well, the significance? Well, in
1: the late 19th century, on Sunday afternoon, after chapel services, after noon meal, the upper class midshipmen were allowed to entertain women in the yard on benches that were located around where the Herndon Monument was. Uh, the Herndon Monument was erected there on that site in 1860, and initially, they just did a snake dance. They would they started putting their uniforms on backwards and their hats on backwards and did a snake dance around the 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 sidewalk and and which was around the monument um and they had this ditty that they had composed ain't ain't no more plebes and it wasn't until 1940 that we have photographic evidence that they actually started boosting a member of their class to sit on top of the monument and then a few years later I think it wasn't until 47 we have photographic evidence that they left a hat on top. Then in 49 the upperclassmen said this looks too easy because they, I guess they started watching it and so they greased it for the first time. They didn't start keeping track of the time until the 19 mid 1960s, and there were some classes. There there was one class that used a, a cargo net. I mean people look at the and, and some people. It got into writing somewhere that it was chicken wire. I, there's no way they could. They would have cut the hell out of their hands with chicken wire. It's a cargo. You look at those pictures. That's a thick rope. There's some years it looked like they used cosmoline. It was one year it looked like they used just butter, yellow butter, Just
0: <laughs> grease it. And that continued on until gee, it was what about seven or eight years ago under Admiral Fowler that they discontinued the greasing. There was firm. one year, Fowler, one
1: year? Admiral Fowler. He, he attacked a lot of the traditions here, and that was one of them. And he actually gave the brigade a choice or the class a choice. You can do it if you want to, and they decided, well, the soup, you know, we want to keep the soup happy, so they didn't grease it. And I remember Dr. Jim and I had lunch at Galway Bay, and we walked back to watch the climb, and it actually happened before it was supposed to start. <laughs> but they didn't beat the time record on it. That, that was the surprising thing, because I think there's the time record is like a minute and a half and theirs was like a minute, almost two minutes, but um, it it was not far off.
0: You mentioned June week earlier. What was the difference between June week and the commissioning week that we know today?
1: Not much, just the name and when it falls. In 1979, it was decided to, the service academies all went on I think what civilian colleges call the trimester system or something. And so that meant graduation, and I think West Point did it the year before. We had to keep up with West Point. And so graduation started to be in May. And I said, well, we can't call it June week anymore because it falls in May. And Admiral Lawrence uh, did a little check around, and I don't know whether he personally came up with the idea with somebody. It was in his administration. And And that was Admiral Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence uh, in 1979 decided to call it. Commissioning Week instead of.
0: So, you know, did, the, did the events of Commissioning Week then just simply evolve over time, like Herndon? The ring dance, for example. Oh, th- was those a were big.
1: all ad- the same thing. Yeah, the ring, well, the ring, class, first class rings, 1869, under Admiral Porter. And then, sometime in the 20th century, I think, the midshipmen started throwing each other all over the seawall to baptize the ring. And in 24, Amid hit his head on a rock and died.
0: Nineteen twenty-four.
1: Yes. And that's what caused the ring dance to become a tradition, where they baptized the ring and binnacle with water. And the earliest record I found for Water from the Seven Seas was 1937. Uh, it could be earlier, though, but uh, that's where I found something in writing that told me they were doing it. I know it shocked me in my early days when I got a call one summer from a T.A.D. ensign saying... Oh, Mr. Cheevers, what are the seven C's? And I said, Did you graduate from here? <laughs> he said, yes, sir. I said, and You don't know what the seven C's are. <laughs> so I told him, and I said, Why do you need to know? He says, Because I need to contact Navy units in each of those C's and have them send me water. <laughs> I said okay. <laughs> Another interesting one was when oh, when they took the Trident underwater around the world. Ned for, Beach. Ned Beach is uh, and,
0: and then some of that water is over at at the light, right on the seawall. Yes,
1: and and we have a jug up in storage.
0: <laughs> but we don't we don't. They fill actually the collected water from more than the seven seas. Yeah. So. <laughs> but we don't put we don't fill that binnacle no, for the ring dance. No.
1: No. Uh, We also used to have a specimen of water that was taken from a core sample in the Antarctic that supposedly fell as snow the year Christ was born.
0: We have all sorts of things in our storage (laughs) area. A chaplain gave us that. (laughs) There are a lot of unusual events that occurred during graduation, and probably the one that stands out for me the most is uh, something the class of 52 always tells me, the year they left the shoes on the field. Mm -hmm. And what happened was, and, and it wasn't all of them. And there's, I can't find a photo of this, but some of the members of the class of 52, when they were on Warden Field for their final parade, left their shoes on the field. Some of them had signs that were put on their backs as well as on their the underside of the uniforms as mm-hmm. well. So not all of the shoes were left on the field. Anybody who knew about it left their shoes. Are there any other unusual stories like that that you can remember from? By the way, I should know that the superintendent, Admiral Harry Hill, was considering not graduating those midshipmen until Mm -hmm. Secretary of the Navy came in and said, no, no, no. But what are some of the other events that you remember uh, or that you knew of?
1: two things on that shoe business. Every time I've ever given a tour of the cemetery and there's been a member of the class of 52 with me, Sheehan, John Sheehan, was one of them at one point. He was president of the Alumni Association, former member of the Federal Board of Reserve and all that. And I said, John, I want you to tell the story about Admiral Hill, because we're standing in front of Hill's grave. <laughs> uh,
0: and they, they, By the way, they did make him an honorary member of the class. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. And, and, and then in, I think it was 2010 or 11, I was in a meeting in the soup's office on commissioning week. With the soup and the Don and a bunch of other people, I don't why, forgot why I was invited. I guess because of the history uh, and traditions. And Admiral Fowler said to the Don, Peg, I don't want to see a shoe on that. And I don't know what she did. I think she went through Bancroft and poured crazy glue in all her shoes. Because <laughs> that was one of the few years that I have been to Color Parade where those shoes, there are always a few shoes left. But that year, there were. <laughs> I mean, now they have a patrol over there in dark uniform, the dark camis, so they don't show up, and they've got big black plastic bags that go after the companies leave their place, grabbing all the shoes.
0: <laughs> so it's still it's still something that is done. Oh, with it some it, it has
1: been passed on
0: <laughs> through tradition,
1: but probably the other one was the graduation, in 1882, in the second chapel, and Captain. Ramsey was the new superintendent. He's the, actually the first alum to become a superintendent. Before him, the academy had been having some problems in the late 1870s. Uh, morale was not great. Hazing come in where the guys were pulling tricks on each other, and uh, Congress actually passed a law against it, but <laughs> they just circumvented and That was filing up Giffen's with new, new techniques, yes. Yeah. and And actually, Balch was the superintendent when the worst, and Balch was only I think in his sixty, but he, they said he was an old man, and they Midge could twist him around his, his finger and, and so forth. So when he left, um, they brought back the the first superintendent to repeat, Christopher Raymond Perry Rogers, uh, because they knew he would put his foot down. You know, unfortunately, he didn't last very long because he reached mandatory retirement, and Garfield was assassinated. They always thought Garfield would would uh, give him an exception and keep him the superintendent here, and he was replaced by Ramsey. And, you know, so that there was still, he didn't have time. Rogers hadn't had time to clean up the whole place yet. So Ramsey announced at the beginning of, of graduation in the chapel, he says, I want everybody to hold their applause until the last graduate comes across to get their diploma. Well, the first graduate gets up there, and the entire first class screams <laughs> and they say ramsey just turned bright red ordered the first class to stand up and be marched to the santee and imprisoned it kind of
0: ruined graduation <laughs> so santee for again for the people who weren't uh, who weren't graduates or know about the naval naval academy history the santee was an old uh, steam frigate right. that was used not only as a barrack ship but as Station ship. Station ship. But it was also used as a prison ship, essentially, yes. for a to work off yeah, demerits. Yeah. You know, they finally got to the soup and said, uh,
1: Admir- or he was only a captain, actually. Captain, they didn't hear you. The acoustics in here are horrible. So what did they do afterwards? They hung our trophy flags, all the captured flags on the windows and the walls over there to improve the acoustics. But that's, uh, you know, I'm sure that there are probably.
0: What about presidents? When did they start coming to the graduation?
1: Well, President Ulysses Grant, who, of course, was also a close Civil War friend of of Admiral Porter, was the first president to actually attend a graduation. However, he didn't speak. He was just a guest. Uh, It wasn't until James Garfield in 1881 came and was the first presidential speaker and then there wasn't another one until 1902 theodore roosevelt he came twice um 02 and 05 both of them which are early graduations nimitz of course graduated in 05 uh, too Uh, but that one was in february and then wilson you know came actually wilson's secretary of the navy josias daniels holds the record for speaking at the most graduations eight graduations he was a speaker sometimes the sole speaker but sometimes just a second speaker. Uh, Coolidge was here. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt twice. Oh, Eisenhower was the next one. He spoke once. Uh, and most all the presidents actually since Eisenhower have spoken, except President Ford. Because he was
0: in for so short a yeah. time, and, yeah. and they were rotating him yeah. by that point yeah. 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 amongst yeah. the yes. other yes. academies.
1: I um, Probably one of the most interesting uh, was Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld was Speaker Secretary of Defense Was this under Ford or under... Under Ford. Okay. He was first under Ford. He was Secretary of Defense, and he was a speaker in 1976. And according to him, sitting in the front row was was, uh, John Allen, class of 76. Later, General John Allen. Yes. It must have been 03 then, 17 years later, from 1976, 17 years later. He was speaker again. General Allen is sitting on the podium with him, (laughs) and he said... Ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that I spoke at this ceremony 17 years ago, and I'm still in the same dead end job. Whereas this guy, Allen, <laughs> is now, oh, he was Commandant of Midshipmen. He was currently, but he'd been nominated for Brigadier General. He's been nominated for Brigadier General. He was asleep in the front
0: row <laughs> in 1976. What have been the biggest changes you've seen in all the graduations you've attended since 1967? Have they all been held at the, at the Naval Academy Stadium? No.
1: Actually, actually since they, they moved to the stadium in 1966, which is the year before I came aboard. Um, I think I started attending in 73 and started radio working with WNAV, the local radio station, doing it live from the stadium. And only once since then, actually only twice since they've gone to uh, the stadium, have they had to go inside because of weather. 1976, they went into uh, Halsey Field House. And in 1987, we went into Halsey Fieldhouse because of heavy rain. My anchor then was John Moran with WNAV, and I can remember sitting there, and he's, he was always a nervous wreck, and he was been a professional radio guy for years. And he always wanted to get the speaker's speech ahead of time so he could look it over and rehash it after the speech, you know. So, he, you know, he's sitting there looking at, at Bush's the vice president at the time was speaking George H.W. Bush and I'm looking at the program and of course it was the program from the stadium so one of the first items was the Blue Angels <laughs> and I said to John I said jokingly I said well one thing we won't have this morning is the Blue Angels
0: unless <laughs> they leave that door open when did they start the Blue Angels uh
1: 1947 I believe and it wasn't called the Blue Angels initially. It was just called a aerial or aviation exhibition group. It was later that they called it the Blue Angels. And we've had the Blue Angels every year. This will be, I think, only the fourth time since they started that we haven't had. But there were three years, 10, 11, and 12, where we didn't have the Blue Angels. My buddy, superintendent, who didn't like traditions, decided to change tradition and have graduation the Tuesday after Memorial Day Day because he thought our graduation affected the local traffic too much. And the Blue Angels are com- heavily committed to New York City for,
0: la- for Memorial Day.
1: <laughs> and then they had a mechanical problems, and then I think they had a financial problem after right. that.
0: What's been your favorite part about traditions of Naval Academy graduations or the part that you think has meant the most?
1: Oh, I guess the graduation ceremony itself in the stadium with the the awarding of the diplomas and the and the commissioning uh, part of it and and of course, the hat talk it's it's quite a quite an experience, and it's amazing how how much it has stayed the same, the format for the whole ceremony. And I've sat through it in some pretty, you know, as I say, rain drove them in twice eighty seven it rained. eighty eight It rained too, but Admiral Marriott said, I'm not doing like I did last year. <laughs> he said you know you go from twenty five thousand seats right. to, down to like five thousand, and it's heartbreaking for families uh, that uh, can't attend and so this year you know it's, it's it's really sad for the for the families and and for the kids in a way at least they do they, they are getting the hat talks in.
0: <laughs> what happens now is you have kids who run onto the field as soon as the ceremony is concluded, uh-huh. and they try to grab. The, the covers.
1: I've, I've never been so panicked in my life. One, one year, the Secret Service, forgotten which president it was that was speaking, but the Secret Service insisted that our press tables uh, are usually mount, set up in front of the, the television platform, so we're protected from our back. But that year, we were off on the side, and we had no protection to our back. Those kids formed up in back of us and went over the top of us to get those hats.
0: I dove under the table. It was one of the scariest <laughs> events I've ever been in. What makes that so special? Why were they going when did they start doing this and second well nineteen twelve of course, so but
1: those were indoors at, and until You know, from from 1912 to 57, when they went to Halsey, or what was then just the new field house, and then to the stadium in 66, I think it was probably started at the stadium, but I don't know whether they did it in 66. The one one tradition that's not going to be practiced this year, that they're losing because of the uh, ceremony structure, is the silver dollar tradition, where the new officers give their first salute to an enlisted person, either in the Marines or the Navy. And they give them a silver dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very ancient. Just like,
0: yeah, just like you do whenever you're commissioned. Yeah, I remember, I remember mine. Yeah, it yeah. goes
1: back to, to probably the days of knights that had, uh, you know, junior guys as Squires valets. And pages. Yeah.
0: And why do the kids go after those covers? <laughs> some of them have money in it,
1: <laughs> and some of them are famous. I mean what would you do to have the hat of Roger Staubach?
0: <laughs> In your time as, as the senior curator and historian of the museum, did any of those more famous covers come back as, as an offer from one of the kids who may have picked it up and now they were you know either 30 or 40 oh, years okay. old and they yeah. said, hey.
1: No, the only, I was going to say, famous hat that we got from graduation experience was uh, Midshipman Dickman's hat from the Herndon Monument. You know, she was a when midshipman that died and, and the brigade or the the plebe class used her hat or cla- classmates used her hat to put on top of the monument. And we have that in the collection. Right did, mid, did
0: midshipman always speak? You, and now it's the president of the class, but did they always have somebody who spoke at the graduation?
1: Oh, yes. The president of the second class speaks first, giving us a, a, a cheer, three cheers for the for the class we're losing or the guys that are leaving us. Uh, and, and the president of the graduating class gives three cheers for the people we're leaving behind. And exactly when that ends is the hat toss.
0: And there's another tradition with the classes, 50 years, the link in the chain. Yes. is that another? That's another tradition that won't happen this year. Is that right?
1: Right. Um, although they've already been practicing it. Right. Since the since the class of twenty twenty came aboard, the class of nineteen ninety seven or nineteen seventy, I have had them to parties and and so forth. And um, can
0: can you describe that process and when it started and and uh, what it's, they do? It, that's
1: a very recent tradition. I know class of fifty did it. I don't know how much further back that goes. And of course, members of the class show up at at graduation and are up there uh, by the podium as the midshipmen can't come off of the podium with their diplomas is when they hand them their, their bars. And then at the end, after the hat toss, all the mothers and fathers come down and aunts and uncles to the field. It's a madhouse. And they're the ones that pin the bars on and also give them their new hats. That's why at the ceremony yesterday and coming up for the class of 2020, it says right in the instruction, they, 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 are, they are allowed to leave uncovered because they won't have their officer hats with them, but they must immediately put on their face masks, (laughs) which is fascinating. And it is amazing. Friday afternoon, at least by the time the museum closes at 5 o'clock, this campus, which we
0: call the yard, is like a ghost town. There is nobody left. (laughs) Everybody just evaporates. And it seems to be like that in town, too. And there's one thing that... People from outside of Annapolis aren't aware of is that because Annapolis is so comparatively small, it's about 40,000 people, you don't have enough hotels to be able to accommodate the families of 1,200 graduating midshipmen. And so a lot of residents of Annapolis will rent out their homes for a week. They'll go away somewhere. When does this start happening? Oh,
1: probably way back. Probably way back when. Uh, I would think even in the 19th century, people put people up because there wasn't enough hotel space. Uh, You made friends in the local community. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because Annapolis has always been dear on hotels
0: until just recent years. Jim Chevers, historian and (laughs) senior curator emeritus of the United States Naval Academy Museum. Jim, thanks for coming back to Preble Hall. As always, we we look forward to seeing you
1: asking me and enjoyed discussing graduation.
0: Jim have a great weekend and for our listeners hold fast this too shall pass.
1: Treble Hall is in no way intended to reflect the official positions of the Department of the Navy or the Naval Academy.